Hi, everyone, and welcome to Seven Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school. I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's degree in theology, but the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone who I currently teach with. He is the technology specialist at our middle school. He's a faithful Christian. And even though he's from Michigan and I'm from Ohio, we still get along. It's Eric DeBoer. Uh, Good morning, Julia. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your podcast. This is my first podcast experience, so I'm a little nervous, but also excited. I'm excited, too. This is our first kind of, we're not... We're not in the same room, everyone, but we are like, I've always done all these remotely, but we're at school. We're in separate rooms. So I can kind of see Eric. <laughs> so this is my first experience of being kind of able to see the person, which is, it's nice. But so this is a first for both of us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good, good. Always uh, trying to break new ground. Absolutely. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So Julia said, I'm currently teach technology here at St. Bridget Middle School. Uh, I've been here since the start of year number nine, I think, for me. Uh, previously, I have uh, my education background. I've taught uh, fifth grade when I lived in Philadelphia for a while. Um, I taught in Michigan before I moved out to Philadelphia. So I've taught at public schools, Christian schools, and Catholic schools in different senses. Yeah, I've got a wonderful wife, uh, Sarah, and I have two kids who are five and three currently here in Richmond. We live on the east side uh, near Julia now. Uh, I'm in Churchill. She's around the corner down in, in Fulton. Uh, and so we're the kind of my, the minority here at school who drive from the east end all the way to the west end for work. But we, I think we have a little east end pride as well that we appreciate mm-hmm. our neighborhoods mm-hmm. quite, quite a bit don't have a theological background. Mine's in education, but I uh, do lead a community group at our church. Uh, we go to Redemption Hill Church here in Richmond and uh, where we've gone for the last eight years or so. Um, so I have I share her passion for scripture and uh, sharing it with other people. And I'm excited about her. You know, the whole idea of the podcast, uh, I think is awesome to just talk with random people about different passages is just a great premise. So I was excited to, when she's, I saw she was looking for people who were interested. I said, that sounds like something I'd, I'd enjoy doing. So thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. No, I, I agree. We have definitely a, a love and passion for scripture. So I think this is going to be a really good conversation. What I'm going to have you do is uh, you've picked first Samuel chapter 17, and we kind of talked about it like the story of David and Goliath, and there's so much to hear, and I'm going to give a little bit of background. We kind of had to pare down the story a little bit. So you're going to read from, I believe, the first, like, verses 4 through 10, I think, and then you're going to kind of wrap up the story at the end for us, too. So um, whenever you are ready, you can read uh, your passage from, and what uh, what translation are you going to be reading from today? Uh, yeah, I'll be reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version kind of grew up reading the NIV uh, in our household and um, feel like it's been a shift in the churches that I've been at in the last decade or so to kind of switch to ESV. So while I have some things memorized in NIV and I think that's a little smoother of a flow, I think the ESV translation word by word is the reason that the churches I've been at have, have switched to that. Awesome. I love that you have, you say verses memorized too, because as a Catholic, that's not necessarily something that we did was like memorize scripture. Uh, and I've talked to other guests, too, mm-hmm. that were maybe raised in different backgrounds mm-hmm. and that was a part of their upbringing was like memorizing scripture. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting that you've memorized it in one translation and then reading it from another translation. Do you find that 
helpful or is that hard like to read the different translations or is that helpful for you? Yeah, uh, so most of my memorization came from my homeschooling background as part of our, uh, we'd wake up in the morning and do something called wisdom search with my parents, or actually more more with my dad, where we'd have scripture memorization, read different uh, parts of the Bible. We'd look at different animals and how they show different character traits and how those people, people in scripture also showed those traits. Um, So that's where that came from. Um, It's kind of annoying when I'm reading a passage in Mm -hmm. uh, ESV and it's, I have it memorized in the NIV and like, it's Mm -hmm. so similar. There's just a couple things different. Um, And then now having kids that are starting to memorize in a different translation, Mm -hmm. that's the toughest part where it's like, Mm -hmm. I know this slightly differently and I'm, it kind of throws me off as I'm trying to help them, but also remember for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was interesting oh. to hear, yeah, the translations and everything. So it's like a first um, world Christian problem of right, oh, right. <laughs> oh, I have so many translations I have available to me <laughs> where there are still unreached people in the world who don't have scripture right. in their language. It's mm-hmm. we are uh, it's an embarrassment of riches, honestly. Absolutely. No, I think that's well said. So whenever you are ready, go ahead and read um first Samuel seventeen for us. All right. Uh, 1 Samuel 17, starting at verse 4. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armored with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs, and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spearhead weighed six hundred shekels of iron, and his shield-bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and you are not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself, and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And then there's some back and forth. Right. (laughs) Lots of things happen. I'm going to go down to verse 48. Uh, So basically David's come out and said, I'll do it. And 48, 48 says, when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and he struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of its sheath, and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Okay, so yes, we have some pieces to fill in, and I'm going to give a little bit of a historical background about 1 Samuel and kind of what comes before this and kind of what is, you know, we'll, we'll go back and forth about Great. what happens in the middle too. So First and Second Samuel, there's two books of Samuel in the Old Testament, and when I was doing research for this, I found that they originally were one book and then later were divided into two when they were translated into Greek. Um, and then the books of Samuel... And Samuel, by the way, was a servant called by God to anoint the first kings of Israel. But these books of Samuel focus on the transition from the time of the judges into these first kings that Samuel is anointing. Mm -hmm. And Saul is the first king that's anointed. And Saul does play a role in this story with David a little bit. We kind of that comes before this. Saul's 
what the people want as a king. The people wanted, they wanted to get away from judges and have kings because the Canaanites around them had kings. And Samuel and you know, is kind of reluctant at first to anoint kings because God should be their king. But God says, you know what? Give them what they want. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna learn the hard way. And so then Saul's anointed the first king. But then we enter David when Saul is enabled, and there's so much that happens, you know, in first <laughs> in all these books. But um, when Saul starts to make some missteps and mistakes, then God says, you know, David ultimately is gonna be the one who is gonna to be the next king, not Saul's sons, which was typically what happened. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so enter David. And uh, here we see a lot of David's character, I feel like, in this story. So I'm looking forward to talking to you about David. He's a complicated character when I introduce him to my students. Mm. You know, they, they hear the story and they're excited because he's this, you know, young person who loves God and then succeeds in the challenge. But, you know, we hear later that he is a flawed character as well. So I, I think that his story is complicated. But my first thing for you is why did you choose this passage? Like, of all, you love scripture. There's somebody to pick from. Why did you choose this passage? Uh, so, I, I mean, who doesn't like the story of David and Goliath, right? We're right. <laughs> recording this in the United States, and I think America loves the classic little guy versus the big guy. It's you know, the roots of our country go back to that. This little ragtag bunch of colonists against the mighty, mighty uh, red coat army of uh, the British. Mm. So I mm -hmm. think there's a part of our American identity that gets, you know, loves this type of idea. We love March Madness with the huge upsets, right? So um, I think I've always enjoyed, and plus it's a battle story. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, there's parts of that that are appealing to me. But what really made me, when I choose this passage, was I, our uh, pastor, Robert Green, preached a sermon. We're going through for Samuel right now as a church. And he uh, unpacked this chapter in a way I had never seen before. And so uh, after that message, I was like, man, that was, was really significant for me and powerful for me. So, uh, I said, it really would, you know, when I saw your invitation, I was like, oh, this is a great way to share some of the things that I learned from his study of this passage and, um, be able to pass it on to other people. Awesome. So I can't wait to get into, cause you did share a little bit with me about the details that he shared. And I'm a geek for those kind of historical you mentioned like as Americans kind of things that we, we uh, draw or gravitate towards. And I think we're very literal as a society. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we want proof. We want to Google something. We want to get a straight answer, mm -hmm. but there's things are layered. And that's why I love scripture because there are these layers and mm -hmm. you can't just, you can take things at face value, but I think you miss some of the, mm -hmm. even the, the deeper meaning. So um, you had shared a little bit of what your pastor shared. Was it the pastor or was it just someone giving a sermon. Oh, uh, one of our pastors. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So do you mind going ahead and giving in some of those details that kind of struck you when he gave the sermon? Sure. Yeah. So one of the things that um, our church has, I've learned through the, our, our church is that uh, each part of scripture is pointing to Jesus, right? So you can right. read any chapter, different passages and uh, the gospel message of the good news of Jesus coming, his death, his resurrection, his triumph is present there. Mm -hmm. um, that's really that concept has really transformed how I read the Old Testament in that you're like, oh, this nice story between this little guy, this you know, curious little shepherd boy, and this huge champion Goliath is like, okay, that's really nice. Great story. What's next? You know, mm -hmm. And looking for the gospel in each passage of scripture is uh, adds those layers that you're talking about. So yeah, by focusing on just the it's a big guy, little guy story, I think that we miss some of the majesty of the gospel here. So, yeah, one of the, for a little context too, right, we've got this 
Philistines are kind of the huge nemesis mm-hmm. of, you could say it's the Ohio State to the Michigan, yeah. <laughs> or you put probably more in the last decade or two, it's probably been the Michigan to the Ohio State okay. of, of, of um, <laughs> Israel and Philistines yeah. just keep clashing, especially yeah. through Samuel. Um, and they, uh, when the Israelites first come into the promised land and they run into all these other nations of Canaan that have kings, mm-hmm. um, you've got the story of Caleb and Joshua in Numbers 13, where um, the spies go and check out the land. They're like, mm-hmm. you know, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's amazing. But there's these giants mm-hmm. and we're going to be ants like compared mm-hmm. to them. Uh, and they come back with these huge clusters of grapes. And, you know, 10 of the spies say there's no way we can do this. And two, Caleb and Joshua, um, one of which I've named my son after, mm-hmm. uh, say, no, we trust God. We've got this. Mm-hmm. He's enough. Um, and so uh, we're just a few generations from those giants that the spies knew about before they came into the land. And Goliath is this, uh, he's like, he's their champion. So he's mm-hmm. the best of these giant peoples. So he's, he's, uh, I mean, I don't know, the best UFC fighter, you're, you know, whatever mm-hmm. uh, you look to as a really significant warrior, that's who Goliath is. Mm-hmm. And so he comes out and he's, um, the author Samuel describes him in the passage I read at the beginning was um, it seems kind of redundant because he keeps saying helmet of bronze and a coat of mail and uh, uh, his coat was of bronze and bronze armor, a javelin of bronze. Like the word bronze appears, (laughs) let's see, one, two, three, four, five times here in just like a verse. And so in scripture, right? Repetition is significant. That's not, you know, they're, Numbers are uh, important all throughout scripture, but mm-hmm. um, words are too. And the word in Hebrew for bronze, which I don't know, nor have I, if I even looked it up or Googled it, I probably wouldn't be able to pronounce it, is right. very similar <laughs> to the word, other, the word for snake. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, uh, or ser- serpent, I guess you could say. Right. And so, and the word for male is the exact word that you'd use for scales, for okay. like a fish or of a snake. So it's okay. So the, the author is, is doing something with that, right? Um, we've got David. So he's setting up Goliath as this big, bad guy, this champion with all this bronze stuff, 125, 125 pounds of armor, 25 pound spearhead. I mean, this is significant. So we've got the bad guy here, uh, our antagonist in the story. He comes out, he's cursing Israel daily uh it's in the passage it talks about how he did this for 40 days so it's not just a one-time deal he comes out and repeats the same diatribe to israel uh diatribe to the tribes 40 days and mm-hmm. you know just kind of the standstill what, what's going to happen we have this awkward moment every day mm-hmm. uh and then we kind of the scene shifts to david who i think in the previous chapter had just been anointed king mm-hmm. um by uh, Samuel. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting about that was you talked about Saul being the first king of Israel. Um, he was the tallest king of Israel by, I think it said a head, mm-hmm. a head taller than all the Israelites. And he was handsome. So he's mm-hmm. like you said, what the people wanted. I right. you know, keep up with the Joneses, the Canaanites, they all have kings. We don't. Um, and they choose him because of what he looks like. Right. Um, versus the story of David as God chooses him and Samuel lines up all his brothers and like, no, not that one, not that one, not that one. And then he finally, this little guy who comes in from, mm-hmm. you know, taking care of sheep, which is uh, just like a chore for the youngest or the least important one. Uh, mm-hmm. And God chooses him to be the next King. So he's just been anointed King in the previous story. 
then here we've got him still taking care of the sheep while his older brothers, who were not anointed king, go off to battle. And you've got, it's, I mean, you have to read the Bible. Our pastor always says, read the Bible like a human. It's like the dad, Jesse, is missing his sons in battle, wants his, to send David to go see his son. So he says, all right, David, take your brothers, this grain, these loaves, take them to the camp. Also take 10 cheeses for their boss, for the commander, mm-hmm. um, and send, send back some token, make sure they're doing okay. Right. So David comes and uh, David sees Goliath come out like he does every day and defy the armies of Israel. And, uh, and they, even though they've done this for 40 days, all the men, you know, kind of uh, get together, hear the hear the statement of Goliath run away there. The verse 24 says they fled from him and they're much afraid. And um, then we kind of hear what will ha- the, the army says, um, Hey, if anyone, have you guys heard, like, if you go up, if anyone has enough bravery to, to fight Goliath, the king is going to give him great riches, give him his daughter, make his house, um, his father's house free from taxes. So your family will be tax free for forever if you be. So, you know, Saul here is trying to to bribe right. uh, someone to have the guts, yeah. even though as the tallest right. Israelite, he should probably be the representative right. the warrior, yeah. to mm-hmm. fight against Goliath. And he doesn't have the guts right. to do it. So he's pulling out all the stops to um, try to get um, somebody else to do his job for him. Yeah, there's I just sorry to cut you off, but there's yeah. there's so much here to unpack. And I'm glad that you filled in those little pieces about Saul. That's kind of what I was trying to set up. I want to go back to like what you said about Goliath and the way that because um, I geek out about the words and the things like that, yeah. like so the, yeah. the fact that the bronze um, is described several times. I think that, you know, this was all passed down orally for so long before it was written down. And so things like repetition mm-hmm. helped them just like you memorize your Bible verses, like mm-hmm. it helped them to remember the Jews to remember these stories, having that repetition. So I think the bronze being repeated, but I also like the meaning of the bronze and how that related and connected to serpents and scales, mm-hmm. because I think then of Moses, right. And like the bronze serpent mm. and that connection. Um, I do know from my studies that the number 40, which you mentioned, we know that's used throughout scripture, the 40 years in the desert, the 40 days on the blood and the ark, um, Jesus's 40 days in the desert. The number 40 in what I've studied is that it's used to show a time of struggle or trial. And so the fact Mm. that Goliath is coming out 40 days and saying this over and over, like that is a trial for, for, and so you're describing this, Mm. but like Saul is like begging people, like, who's going to go fight? Cause I don't, I want this to over. This is, you know, miserable. Like we need to, we need to end this. So I love these symbols that you're, you're pulling out because I think that that we see that throughout. And then, as you said earlier, all of this ultimately does point us to Christ. David is a direct ancestor of Jesus. He's going to be promised this covenant that Jesus ultimately will fulfill. You know, he will be promised this kingdom when he does become king, you know, later, like, I mean, he's already been anointed, but when he takes that role as king, he's going to be promised this kingdom that will never end. And you think historically, well, wait, it does end historically, but through Christ, the kingdom goes on. So anyways, I know that you were in the middle of we're kind of filling in the pieces and then we're going to go to this dramatic end. But I also wanted to say too, when I teach this story to our students, you know, they do love this underdog that you're describing and the fact that he is so young. And you mentioned the differences between Saul who fits this image and the child who, you know, doesn't seem to be like the the warrior type. And I think it's a really powerful story for kids, not only because David is young here, 
but that they struggle with appearances so much in middle school. And mm -hmm. so to hear them say, God uses the ones that you wouldn't, because even in that Cinderella story that you're describing where Samuel comes in and is like, which one am I going to anoint? Mm -hmm. You know, it's the Cinderella story. It's like, well, is, are these all your sons? Like, mm -hmm. where's the other one? Mm -hmm. And, oh, he's out back, but you don't want him, right? right? But like, it is the one that God has called. So anyways, there's just so much here. I think the symbols, the message about appearances, the bravery that David has that he steps up and he's just there, like you said, to run an errand for dad. And then he's just like, what is going on? Like, we need to stop this guy. Anyways, one of the things that I try to do with this podcast too is like to dive into the historical background and the significance and spiritual significance. Then I want to try to do a real world application, right? So you mentioned a little bit at the beginning about like how Americans, we do identify kind of with this story. Do you see any other kind of real world or real time application for this story today? Like what we can learn from it? Uh, yes. I mean, yeah. <laughs> starting, starting with uh, the faith that David has, mm -hmm. right? Where he's, you know, he's faced with this massive, literally massive foe. And uh, he doesn't go to his, I mean, he looks at some of the experiences in his life where he says, you know, I you know, was able to beat this lion or this tiger that attacked the sheep, but he doesn't say, and that, you know, that's enough. He's like, but God is with me. And so that gives, that's what propels him and gives him courage mm -hmm. to raise his hand and say, I, I'm not a trained soldier. I have done these little things in my life, but I think that God, it doesn't really matter who I am. Like, I'm just a vessel, uh, which he talks a lot about in the Psalms. Um, but I'm just going to, I'm trusting that I'll be used by God to accomplish his will and his purposes for his people, mm -hmm. um, which he does. Yeah. If I, I think there's another big takeaway for us. Uh, if I could talk a little bit more about what I learned from our pastor um, was that, you mm -hmm. know, we mentioned the, the bronze being the same as serpent and the scales as a snake, right? That's, uh, and you mentioned the bronze snake in the wilderness, which up on a pole, like Jesus up on the pole. But even before then in Genesis mm -hmm. three, when we have sin entering the world um, from mm -hmm. a serpent mm -hmm. and God uh, talks to Adam and Eve and the serpent and curses them for their disobedience. Um, he says to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl in your belly and eat dust the rest of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crunch your, crush your head and you will strike his heel. So could it be that Samuel is hearkening Goliath and in, in those pretty obvious parallels between the, the two that he's pointing out the bronze being serpent, the scales like a, a snake, but that setting him up as this is kind of like a, a Satan or a devil figure for God's people. Mm -hmm. And then how David responds, right? So he kills him, right? He falls, um, spoiler alert, David wins, uh, God wins. And mm -hmm. Goliath falls <laughs> down he, with his face down in the dust, eating dust like the serpent. Mm -hmm. um, even the way that David kills Goliath is symbolic. I mean, uh, Leviticus 24 mm -hmm. says that uh, anyone who curses God is held responsible and anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord will be put to death. Uh, the entire assembly must stone him, um, whether foreign or native born, they are to be put to death. And the author, or Samuel here, um, makes a point in the, the big scene where uh, he struck the Philistine and killed him with a sling and a stone, there was no sword in the hand of David. So points out he killed him with a stone, fulfilling Leviticus 24 for right. blaspheming God for 20, mm -hmm. 40 days. Uh, and then he did it with just a stone. Um, so doing his job, Goliath falling face down, eating dust like the serpent, um, 
also in First Samuel five, the Ark of the Covenant goes to um, is captured by the Philistines, mm-hmm. and then there Dagon, their false god, falls down face first on um, the dust, um, bowing down to the Ark. Um, and so we've got all these different stories in Scripture kind of coming together mm-hmm. um, from previous spots, mm-hmm. but then there's also future things that kind of are mentioned here that that the takeaway right so we are in this story we're Saul we're Israel we're the ones who need a representative to to fight for us to you know we can't do it on our own um, but we have one not one who's Mm -hmm. some little shepherd boy we do have one who is the good shepherd Um, we do have one who Mm -hmm. is the lamb Mm -hmm. of God um, and he is the one who fought for us and took our place on our behalf. And we all, and just like Saul and all the people of Israel benefit from one person's uh, work or, or battle, um, we all benefit from Christ's battle for us um, that he ultimately triumphed mm-hmm. over Satan uh, with his death on the cross for us. You know, as mm-hmm. we go through our days, we can say, wow, we, and this battle's already been fought. This battle's already been won. I can trust in this in God that he's already won this battle. Um, now that may be the situation I'm in may not mm-hmm. go the way I want it to, but I can trust ultimately that God is in control and is sovereign over all these things that have happened. I love those connections from like that you're, cause that's what I do, right? I, I look at the, the Bible and I'm seeing how it all matches up and I try to present that to our students and then it blows their minds too, when they do see all of these connections and it's not coincidental, it's, it's structured and put together so much like that. While you were talking again about appearances, and David's connection to Christ, we talked about like how through genetics, like they're connected, but also that appearances, he's Christ in Isaiah is described as like, nothing's going to draw you to him physically. Like not, there's nothing that that's going to be outstanding to him appearance wise, but he's just going to be kind of like this plain mm-hmm. guy that, that, you know, and so that even then we have in the prophets in Isaiah, that description um, of Jesus. So the way that you were describing David just kind of as a little shepherd, outcasts mm-hmm. we do see that i think with christ as well too but um i feel bad for the philistines in a way like the part of me i know when we talk about like you know the like with exodus and moses people are just like oh man the egyptians like why is god so you know because obviously new testament god mm-hmm. we're trying to be more not not that right. there's two different gods it's one god but like the the shift is more to be more jesus is more inclusive because jesus fulfills yes. all of these like he's the perfect yep. embodiment of all of these Right. So the Philistines were definitely an enemy at, back at this time. So I think we have to think about like in this time period, mm-hmm. you know, what it represented. And again, all this stuff is not literal. It's like, well, it's literal, but also there's a deeper meaning. So like what I like how you described how the, mm. like what the Philistines mm-hmm. represented, you know, not just the, like Philistines were evil, but like right. what they represented to the people. It's like a threat of temptation, like because they were te- they had other gods. And so they were constantly tempting, you know, the Israelites to not follow God. And so I think that's what we need to focus on here is like they represented mm-hmm. that temptation. So I liked how you connected that with the serpent. Yeah. And um, uh, so at the end, when David, you know, beats the Philistine, kills him, t- cuts off his head, uh, it goes on later on uh-huh. uh, in, let's see, in verse 54, it just seems like a throwaway line um, detail that Samuel included for some reason. Uh, if, it says, and David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem but he put Goliath's armor in his tent. So it's like, okay, weird, right? Why would, I don't know the reasoning behind that, but um, we know that mm-hmm. David takes Goliath's head outside of Jerusalem, uh, where, you know, thinking about representatives and Jesus, uh, later on, another ancestor of Jesus of David would go outside of Jerusalem in a place called Calvary and die on a cross as representative mm-hmm. 
for us. Mm-hmm. Another word for Calgary is Golgotha, which means place of the skull. Also, mm-hmm. what skull would that mean? But a huge champion that showed God's faithfulness to his people. Um, Golgotha, Goliath mm-hmm. of Gath, I mean, both those words are in that title. Um, could it be that the same hill where the head of his ancestor who right. had killed another representative that represented the original foe of God, Satan, back in the garden, mm-hmm. that we just see the same mm-hmm. story being fulfilled time after time. You know, initially with just the, the snake, but then um, in a very, very visible way with David and Goliath, uh, but then ultimately on the cross with Jesus being a representative, um, dying for us. Uh, and God showing time and again to his people that he will conquer Satan. We, he will conquer sin and death. Um, yes, for periods of time, but then ultimately for forever. And then you can take that a little mm-hmm. further saying, okay, well, what Dave, what rock or what um, weapon did David use against Goliath, but a rock? And what right. did, um, right. Right. what did Jesus call Peter? But it says on this rock, I will build mm-hmm. my church. Could mm-hmm. it be mm-hmm. that we are part of mm-hmm. that weapon mm-hmm. that Christ is using to defeat sin and Satan today? Is we are that that stone, that rock that's being hurtled toward sin and uh, temptation, uh, and He is choosing to use us as little pebbles, sharp stones, whatever whatever we are, mm-hmm. um, always being worn down by the the water of life and the struggles, and hopefully being sanctified uh, even more into the people that God made us to be. That He would use people like us to continue in this fight against um, the devil. I just, I mean, it's. I, I, I just thought I knew the story of David yeah. and Goliath and it's like, this is the story of David and Goliath. Yeah, it's nice. But this is the story <laughs> you never knew that all these layers um, right. that lead me yeah. to worship. Um, it's not just, Oh, that's a nice story in the Bible. Mm-hmm. All right, let me go about my life. But that's like, wow, God has this all figured out where he's did this thing before he's doing this. Now he's going to mm-hmm. do this in the future of who am I that he would use someone like me to accomplish his will. He doesn't need me. He didn't need David. He chose him. He doesn't mean he chooses me to be mm-hmm. a part of his work. And that should lead me toward worship, toward gratitude and away from my uh, temptation of, of pride. Like, well, he's doing this because I'm good at this. Or he chose me because of these things that happened in my life. But um, it's God choosing me because you know, only he knows why. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love how we've kind of taken this from all angles. And that's what those podcasts is meant to do. You talked about how we're kind of like Saul and Israel in a way. I think, you know, I talked about how like my students, we can relate to David in a way. And then I love how ultimately though we are, could we be the rock that Christ is using and that God is using? I love that. I think this is awesome. I love how these podcasts too, like depending on who I have on, if I have another scripture nerd, like like ourselves, like we can really go and and see all these connections and that's what this is meant to do. So thank you so much for picking this passage. I think it is one that we just kind of, we know about, but we don't see it in its its context and then also how it applies today. So that's the purpose of this. So thank you for taking the time to do this. At the end, I give people a chance to plug any projects or social media. Is there anything you wanted to share with us that you want people to learn about or find out about? Uh, Something that uh, I've been doing for the last year or two um, with uh, Connect With Our Church is something called Community Bible Reading, Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, similar to the Catholic church where you've got a lectern and everyone across the world is reading the same passage on the same day. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's like, it's read the Bible, read through the Bible plan 
where you can get a journal with it, or you can just um, go to go to the website. Uh, and it's a New Testament passage and an Old Testament passage every day. And the goal is to to read it through the the lens of the ACTS acronym. I don't know if you've heard about that for mm-hmm. prayer or Bible study, but um, you read through the passage and say, okay, based on what this chapter said, how can I adore God? The A. Um, now, since based on this passage, where do I fall short of these things? You know, what can I confess? Where's, where's my sin in this? Um, let's see. The T, Thanksgiving, as a result of this passage, how can I be thankful for Jesus? How can I um, be thankful for what God has done for me or is doing or will do? And then finally, the S, supplication. Mm-hmm. So what is it that I need to ask God for as a result mm-hmm. of this passage and my sin and how great he is and how far short of that I fall? Uh, so that's, and then, um, so reading that with, through that very simple lens, nothing really copyright about that. Um, but then the, the takeaway is, okay, so you've read this and then how can you share this with someone? So um, they encourage us uh, to, so we've got like a group me text thread uh, with different folks in our community group that we read. So like today I read you know, Hebrews 7 and Proverbs 2 and um, you know, read those two passages and then just had one thought that kind of stuck with me that really I felt like God used to encourage me or challenge me. And then we just share that with each other uh, through a simple text. And so throughout the day, I'll get a little message of, you know, this person just read and this is what they, what God showed them. Not a place for questions and discussion, Mm -hmm. just more of a, uh, like, hey, I saw this and it really Mm -hmm. was encouraging to me. Um, So that's been a pretty simple way of reading scripture, but then also putting it, bring it into community. Um, that what's the name of the website again? Um, community Bible Reading. Um, it's a it's a site, or you can follow them on Instagram or. Uh, so media. it's I mean, the website is thecbrjournal.com. Okay. Um, and the goal is to connect you with God and one another. Great, that's great advice. So definitely, people can um, check out that website and maybe think about when you're praying with Scripture. I think that's a great way for us to pray just in general to pray. Um, if you guys are interested in connecting with me on social media, you can find me at seven mile chats on Instagram. And as Eric said, I'm always looking for someone to chat scripture with. So feel free to message me. You can also find me on Twitter at Miss Struckley one, and you can find things about, I mean, you can follow Eric on Twitter too. You are this, he does the St. Bridget media account. So if you follow it's at St. Bridget RBA. Yeah. So on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all of that. So thank you so much, Eric, for being here today. And, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's cool that we work in a place where we can talk about scripture during our day. It's amazing. Uh, I agree. I'm very grateful. Well, thank you so much. And thanks everyone for listening. Bye.